We talked about prayer yesterday. We're going to talk about prayer today. You do not want to miss it. Stay right where you're at. You're going to enjoy this. Welcome to All Things Apostolic. What is this? Thursday, September the 28th, and uh, we're going to have a good time today. We're talking about prayer, and we talked about prayer yesterday, and for some people that would be a boring subject, but when you really get into it, it's, it's an intriguing, uh, astounding subject. Yesterday, we talked about the fact we went to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we talked about the fact that it starts with one word, which is our Father, and that there is not a single uh, singular personal pronoun in the whole prayer, not a single one. No I, no me, no my, no mine, uh, none of that, that. That all of the pronouns are plural personal pronouns, our, us, we. And so that, uh, that alone is indicative a little bit of the nature of prayer and the nature of Christianity, that it is a communal religion. It's, it's, it's lived in community. We're the body of Christ. And the very next word, our father, father indicates that it's family. And this is the, the time doesn't permit us to go into all this today, but it's a very interesting uh, study and observation that all the way back to the family of heaven, it's called family. The family in heaven and the family on earth is the family of God. And so uh, a family government is a certain kind of government. There's not many nations in the world today that are governed uh, by family. There are, there are a few. Uh, Jordan, the, the nation of Jordan, is governed by uh, the Hashemite kingdom. And uh, that family, this is uh, generation after generation that leads that family. Uh, Saudi Arabia is a family government um, from the Saud family and, um, and for generations. And, uh, and there are others. Now, it doesn't mean that it's good or bad in terms of, well, it depends upon the family and how they govern, whether it's good or bad. So the family of God are governed by God himself, which means family government is good. And um, there's a lot of implications to family government that we can't get into right now because we're talking about prayer. But the family government is, uh, there. there is family councils, and uh, there is the raising up generation after generation of a particular son, leader of the family that is going to succeed the father. And there's a whole scriptural thing about this because Jesus Christ, uh, where there's a bar mitzvah, where they are uh, pronounced to be the son with authority in the family, no more, no more just, just uh, uh, sons under teachers, as Galatians talks about in chapter 4, but uh, but the son with that is pronounced declara declaration of sonship. And so Jesus Christ was son in two ways. One is he was son by birth. 
The other is, this is according to Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. The other is, he was declared to be the Son of God, which took place at his baptism. The declaration of sonship did not mean that he wasn't already son to that mother and that father, but the declaration of sonship was a was a positional thing in which their their position changed to the the one that had the authority in the household that was the exact same authority that the father had, and so uh, that's why Jesus that's why the, it was said over him at his baptism, "This is my beloved son, hear ye him." So it's a it's a form now today a bar mitzvah is just uh, it's done when a Jewish child's twelve years old usually. And uh, I've seen one in Israel where they all come together. Uh, this, this was in the square at the at the bottom of the Western Wall, the the the, the prayer place of the Jews, and the Wailing Wall. And uh, the family had come together. They were together around, and there was a little die, a little platform. And this 12-year-old looked like he's about 12-year-old boy was on the die, and it was his day of bar mitzvah in which he is introduced to all of the neighbors and all the family and all of the world that this is, he, is, he has been proven, he has been taught by uh, uh, teachers, and he is now to the point that he has got the authority in this family that when he speaks, it's the voice of the Father. So um, now when you're 12 years old, that doesn't much happen, but it's become more of a ritual now. But with Jesus, that was 30 years old. Uh, however, he was recognized for his for his position when he was 12 years old. So all of these things are interesting, um, and they go along with uh, the fact that in prayer, um, these things are developed. Prayer is part of our spiritual maturation process. And that brings us to a point where God can appoint us to certain levels of authority or certain levels of ministry. So it starts out with our father, family, government. That's, that's how God's kingdom is run. That's how it is run in heaven. That's how it has been ran for eternity. That's how it will be ran on earth uh, in the millennium and in the new heaven and new earth. It is a family government, and there's structural differences to other governments. We can't get into all that. But anyway, our Father, which is in, which art in heaven, our Father, which art in heaven. Now, the word heaven is uh, uh, usually, maybe always, uh, written in the plural, and they're plural in Hebrew was used two different ways. Uh, of course, there is a plural that means more than one, which is the same as English. But in Hebrew, there was also the plural used when, the, when something was so big, so grand, so majestic, uh, the volume of it was so big that when, that when it's used that way, it's talking about what somebody called the plural of majesty. And so you could say here, our Father which art in heaven. You could also say our Father which art in the heavens. Either way, it is a mind-expanding statement. Do you get that? It's a mind-expanding statement. So you're coming to prayer, and you saw a mouse in the kitchen, and you're worried about that mouse, 
and you say, God, that mouse in the corner. So your whole focus is on something as small as a mouse. <laughs> and God said, no, no, nay, nay, that's not how this prayer starts. This prayer starts with our Father, which art in the heavens or in heaven. So the first things in prayer is a mind and spirit expansion of the one who's doing the praying. Because when you go to prayer, the problems that you have in your mind, in your carnal thinking, are larger than your God. You, you're, the first thing that has to happen in prayer is you have to get your God repositioned to where he belongs, where he's, where he's larger than your problems. And the way you do that is you magnify God. You need to get this. This is why David said, oh, come and magnify the Lord with me. What does magnify mean? Magnify means to make larger. So when I'm praying and I'm magnifying God, our Father which art in heaven, our Father which art in the heavens, it's an expansion of the mind and of the spirit. Now, do we really make God larger when we magnify him? Well, the answer is yes and no. The answer is no, we don't make him larger than he really is in the universe. But the answer is yes, we make him larger in our minds. Not larger than he really is, but we get closer to as large as he really is. We never see him in his full largeness. We never see him in his full expansion. But the bigger we see God, that's where faith is. When we see God big, when we know God's big, when, when we're praying to God with the assurance of faith because we see that he's much bigger than my problem, you can go into the problem of the mouse that you saw in the kitchen that you're praying about, God, get rid of the mouse. And you can, and you can, you can be myopic. You can, you can fixate on yourself and you can fixate on the little mouse. And you never get into the larger issues of what life is even about or about the size of your God. And so the first thing is, is our mind and spirit expansion by magnifying the Lord, thanking the Lord, praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord. This is how this prayer starts, is doing these things. This is key. When you're praying, you need to remember this. And when you start praying, don't start praying, oh God, you see that yesterday, Lord, I got mad and 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 yelled out at the kids and yeah, that's God's actually telling us here. That's not how you start praying. You don't start praying. I'm talking about if you're saved. You don't start praying with your first prayer being a prayer of repentance. You start praying exactly like he told you to. Because even in repentance, the devil's going to keep telling you, oh, you did something wrong. Oh, you can never get it right. Oh, you're messed up forever now. Oh, God's never going to forget that. Oh, it's going to be shouted on the housetops. Oh, everybody's going to know you. And on and on it goes with the, with the accuser talking to us. And so you have to get... You have, to, you have to expand, God. No, no, no. God, the blood of Christ covers my sins. God, the, my sins have been cast into the sea, if it's something that I was just giving you an example of. And so, or if whatever, however big the problem is, financial problems and problems of people being unsaved. And I've seen people, I have seen women pray for their husbands when it looked like their husbands would never, ever, ever be saved. And when I didn't have faith 
for them to be saved. But I have seen those women who said, no, my husband will be saved. And when they prayed, they saw God bigger than their husband's problems, bigger than their husband's animosity, bigger than their husband's rejection of of going to church, bigger than any of that, all of his sneering and all of his whatever. She saw them. She saw God bigger than those things and bigger than his rebellion. And um, and I've seen people get saved. I just never dreamed they'd get saved. But but somebody that somebody had magnified God. Somebody, your faith is greater when you've magnified God. That's what he means when he says, when you start praying, start with our Father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Okay, so that's worship. That's adoration. That's praising God. That's magnifying God. Then what's the next part of the prayer? The very next part of the prayer is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here we're this far into the prayer, and there's not one time that Jesus even gives us time to catch our breath and say, but God, I want to pray about me. Not one time. So you don't say, oh God, I need a car payment today when you start praying. No, no, he says, more important than your car payment, more important than whether you lose your car or not, is that you pray for my kingdom. The kingdom of God coming to earth is a missional prayer. And so we're praying for the mission of the church before we are praying for any of our individual needs. Think about that. So you have to become missional-minded. You have to become global thinking where God is trying to reach the whole world with the gospel, and we are part of that outreach to reach the whole world with the gospel. And so the first thing we're doing, we are caught up in God. We want to see your mission go forward. God, we are praying that the Spirit of the Lord would anoint our missionaries and that in our local level it would anoint our church and our pastor and myself, oh God, to be witnesses and to to see the kingdom of God come to earth and let the kingdom of God be manifest in me because I'm an earthen vessel also and let let the Spirit of God work through me, God. And so these are the these are the ways that that the Bible that Jesus, these are the ways that Jesus taught us to pray. So um, time doesn't permit me to go through the whole prayer today, and you can read a, a lot of this in your premier Bible. But only after you've prayed for the world mission do you ever get to praying for your needs. And that's encompassed in the phrase, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just talking about food there. It's actually talking about whatever you and I may need. We finally get there, but we only get there when we pray for God's priorities, of which we're a part of his kingdom, we're disciples. And when we have magnified God and when our mind is open to God and what he's doing worldwide and universally, as well as in our local church and, and local geographical place. So all of, all of this leads us to where we now finally come to, it's almost like, by the way, like 
by the way, God, we need daily bread. We need this, and this is a need that I have, and I'm praying that you will do this. And so-and-so needs healing for their body, and God, we need strength here. And God, and so, so this prayer is, is this kind of thing. Amen. And then we, uh, following that, we, we get deeper in our personal prayer. Now we're in deep. This is deep into our personal prayer. When you say, forgive us of our trespasses, then you are deep into personal prayer, subjective prayer, where you are looking inward at yourself now. It all starts with you looking outward at God's universal mission. But now you're totally inward. This is where you pray. You get a chance to do this, but this is where you pray. Oh, God, you see my inward weaknesses, God, and and you see these play. God, forgive me of any shortcoming. And God, uh, I, I want you to 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 help me to be better. And uh, and God, you see my neighbors and some people that's made me mad. But God, I love them too. And I uh, I know that I must pray until the Spirit lets me forgive them, in the same way, God, that I'm asking you to forgive me. Amen. And so these are, uh, and then there's a prayer that looks to the future. Before you finish praying, you look to the future. Lead us not into temptation. So you're going, you're going now into the future. Lead us not into temptation like the rest of this day or tomorrow or this year or the rest of our lives. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, my time's up. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.